The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Coach McDermott said there was quite a hefty fine for any any flags from the refs from the coaching staff. So I think that also entices Dorsey to, to go up in the box. He gets he gets fiery, man. But uh, Sean McDermott gave a heavy fine for any coaches that get a penalty this season, and he says it's probably a good thing to keep you in the box. Has he had any say in that? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not uh, – uh, I'd like to think I'm not too much of a psychopath. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm being made out to be some – Kind of a look like a psychopath there, Ken Dorsey. <laughs> so nice of you, Mike. Got a, good morning, Ken Bernie Dorsey. Kosar vibe. Yeah, look at him a little bit. Does he look like Bernie Kosar? Uh, he does. He does a little bit of a similar look. I understand what you're saying there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I like the fact I'm, that you're just you know telling telling the world that he does kind of look like a psychopath. It's very nice of you on well, Thursday morning. So did Josh <laughs> Allen. Josh Allen saying, "How that's dare exactly you?" What a psychopath. Oh yeah, would say did. right. Right. I didn't pick the content to start the show. I just react to it. Hello, Chris. Welcome back. We missed you yesterday, or actually, we didn't. We dragged Miles Simmons out of bed at 4 a.m. Oh, well, then he LA missed me. To do the Jeez. show for two hours. That's torture. I mean, getting up at 4 a.m. to do a show. Wow, that's that's rough. I know. I always with me. Yeah, With right. Double whammy. Day. Wake up 4 a.m. Hello, and here's Mike Florio in your face. Not easy. Not easy day. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a good day. Missed you. I did. Um, no, you no, didn't. I know we got, no, I, I do. You didn't even text me. You didn't even text me. Well, I didn't have time. Didn't I mean, me I don't know. I'm up early. I'm gone. I'm at the door. I'm flying in a plane. what do you want me to do? Like, Hey, I'm, I'm in the air. Uh, I love you and miss you. I'll text you later. You know, what'd you want? So, what'd you want from me? Let, let me, let me make sure I understand the itinerary. You flew to Buffalo yesterday morning. Right. Yes. Right. I got, yep. I Whereas you, you could have gone, you could have gone right. if you had so chosen Tuesday night done the show Wednesday morning, and then gone to hang out with Josh Allen. You could have. 
I could have. Could have. I could have gone. Well, yeah, I guess. But you know, then NBC would have had. If I could, I went Tuesday night. Then they would have had to find a place to do the show, and I never felt yeah. like your hotel and, room. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that Zoom crap. Like, no, no. I'm professional. I'm in front of a camera and a mic. Okay, I'm not. I'm done with that crap. I'm really am. Like an interview on somebody else's radio station. Sure. Me and you doing this show on Zoom, not happening unless it's, you know, COVID outbreak number seven here or just some other unforeseen circumstance, maybe. But I'm not going to opt to do that. And if they're not going to set me up professionally in some place, I'm just I'm not. I'm a real professional now like you, Mike. I, I got I got standards. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I've never been a real professional uh, other than to have someone say that's real professional. This professional <laughs> show today is PFT Live on Peacock Series XM85. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland who are enjoying the program or otherwise on Sky Sports. Podcast audience exponentially increasing all the time for reasons completely unknown to me. So Chris wasn't here yesterday because he got to hang out with his boy Blue, Josh Alan, at some point a restraining order could be in order, but at least for now, he still will associate with you. Yeah, for now he will. It, it was a lot of fun. It was. And, you know, I, I did ask him. I was like, are you aware that I call you my boy blue and everything? And he's, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm aware. Yes. So, you know, he, he, uh, he seems like he, you know, listens to all the football type of stuff. Not that he's like, you know, knee deep in it all the time, but, um, one, it was great to watch them practice. The Buffalo Bills, of course, were the Super Bowl favorites. You know, it's just a, it's a top-notch organization. The way the coaches run the practice is really cool. But then, you know, for this guy to be who he is right now, to spend a little time with me on the field, long interview, you know, because we did it for the Football Night in America kickoff game for the NFL, plus some podcast stuff uh, was really cool. And, yeah, there's an ex-Viking. Uh, Stefan Diggs, Coach McDermott couldn't have been better, just, you know, bring, bring, being more welcoming. So it was a great day. It really was. Had a lot of fun. Old offensive line coach Aaron Cromer, who was who I was with in Tampa. Uh, so it was a really it really was. It was a great day, and I really uh, am very appreciative of how they kind of, you know, dealt with me for a few hours and let me hang around. Can we go back to the initial photo that we showed? Because I did notice two things yeah. that are extremely important and relevant to me. First of all, Josh Allen is taller than you, which is hard for me to imagine because you are the green giant straight down <laughs> the beanstalk. It's got to be weird for you to be around somebody who is taller than you. Well, it, it's not weird. It's not. I mean, but he's just a big, natural, strong dude. It's just he's he's a presence. There's no doubt. It's not weird. You know, Mike, you get to a point where you're in a college locker room at the University of Texas or, or in the NFL. There's a there's a lot of guys in the weight room that are bigger than me and taller than me. So you get used to being, you know, not the tallest guy in the room. But as far as quarterbacks concerned, yeah, there's, no, there's you know, it's, it's a few that are taller than me here and there. But, um, yeah, he's a specimen. And we got into that a little bit, his working out, how, how he approaches stuff. And, you know, that, that interview will be out on my podcast and, of course, Football Night in America here in a few weeks. Well, I want to talk about that in a second, but one more glimpse, please, yeah. if we can, of the photograph of Josh Allen with Chris Sims. Because if there was ever any doubt whatsoever about one fact that I became instantly aware of the moment I first met you, you have the biggest bleeping head 
I have ever seen. <laughs> Look you. at that thing next to Josh Allen. Yeah, man. Well, hey, it's like it's like the alien. Is there a second mouth that shoots out of your mouth? <laughs> I got a five head at this point in my life. It's not a forehead anymore. And I got a lot of great thoughts in there. It's a great football mind. I got a lot of things to say. So it's it's expanding daily. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. And uh, to watch them, like I said, practice and and uh, their approach, their energy they have there right now. You know, we've talked about it a little bit. They're a team on a mission. You can sense that when you, as soon as you step on the practice field. And that's always exciting to kind of see that in action and in person. You have inspired scientists throughout the world to begin studying the effects of marijuana deprivation on skull growth. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's the new HGH. Uh, <laughs> okay, so um, you, you, you had a chance to visit with, with Josh Allen, and we'll see bits and pieces of it maybe today, next week on your podcast, two weeks from tonight when the Bills visit the Rams. Here's a little of Josh Allen on what he's focusing on improving, not that he has a whole lot of weaknesses, but where is he looking to improve his game as he enters season number five of his career? Yeah, I think ball placement on some of our shorter throws, allowing our guys to catch and run. Um, and then secondly, eyes. Where are my eyes in zone coverage? What, what am I trying to throw here? Am I trying to throw the high-low? Okay, let's find the linebacker that's responsible for this area and let's work him instead of you know, having my eyes in a different spot, whether it's a safety or a corner, like finding the right guy to ID and just owning the, the, the game of football as much as I can, knowing the situation. Coach McDermott does such a great job with that in our locker room and our, in our team meetings, teaching us situational football. Um, you know, so I got to be honed in on that and just being a, uh, I guess, a, a, a handoff from what Co- Coach Dorsey is on the field. Whatever he's calling, why is he calling this? And how can I convey that to the guys on the field and then go execute? Wow, we don't even get a clip from your interview. I thought that it was going to be something that you harvested. No, we got to go with Adam Shine's podcast. My God, it's in the vault. It's in the vault. We don't get... We don't get anything. I give you up for a day, and I don't even get a little snippet. I don't what, control this, this stuff. Shit? Well, don't don't ask me. You act like I'm like the guy that's in control of like who recorded it in the camera. Come on, I just go there and do it. So don't get mad at me. I don't know. Um, but we did discuss that. Uh, you know that th- there was, and I know I saw you put out that tweet a little bit about you know how he wanted to own every aspect of football, right? I think that was yesterday. Maybe it was the day before. Um, but. But he, I, I, I referenced that. I did in, in my interview, and you heard him say that to Adam Shine. And just the fact that, you know, one, you could tell he's always thinking about his mechanics and accuracy. That's just that he wants to be, you know, pinpoint, hit the bullseye every time. And do it, you know, with his flair of backyard football that we talk about so much, Mike. He expects to, you know, make these incredibly accurate throws when his body's in incredibly crazy positions. So there's that aspect. And then he referred to it a little there with Adam Shine, just the fact of he wants to, like, go next level in what he was talking about, just every situation. Why is it being called? What's the purpose? You know, I don't always need to make a play, blah, blah, blah. There's a reason we're calling this right now, or McDermott wants to do that. And I got a, I got a sense that that was a, a real focus of their football team in general just at practice yesterday watching it. You know, it was, pre- it was pretty cool, Mike. Their, their ones went against their ones, and it was live. 
right? So I didn't expect that because they're going to, I think, you know, play a lot of their twos and, and threes in the preseason game here in, in week number three. And like Josh Allen throws a ball over the middle to Isaiah McKenzie and he catches it and runs and, I mean, just like gets clotheslined and tackled. And I was like, whoa, okay, we're, this is real deal out here. So it was a lot of fun to see. But I think the situational football is really what he was talking about more than anything. Something that you don't see much anymore post-2011 where the day-in and day-out physicality was reduced dramatically in football practices. Only so many padded practices you can have. And even then, you don't see a lot of tackling to the ground in practice, which makes it a little more challenging when it's time to go play a game. And remember, seven months after you last tackled someone – how to actually go about doing it. So interesting they're doing that. That's got a Seahawks vibe to it. The ones against the ones with high level of competition and intensity, getting the guys ready for what's to come. And I think that's important, Chris, to help avoid the temptation, the human nature to have complacency, satisfaction, expectation, entitlement, because everybody is saying the Bills are Super Bowl favorite. And coming out of the AFC – right. I don't know if there's anyone that can be labeled as a favorite because it's going to be a meat grinder this year. And what, what what's your sense of how they're handling that burden of expectation that could cause could cause right. them to maybe lose focus a little bit because they just expect to go out and and fast forward to divisional round or AFC championship likely against the Chiefs again. No, yeah, it, it's. Um... I don't get the sense that there's like a complacency at all that like, hey, we're good and we've, you know, we're close to the top of the mountain and we're just automatically going to get anointed back into the, you know, the final four of the AFC here. I, I don't get that sense at all. There, there's an edge about their football team. You know it right away when you walked on the practice field when they were warming up. There was an energy just as far as, you know, how they were warming up. They were having fun, but it was, it was, hey, hell, who cares? It's the end of training camp. You could tell there was a, a mission to be accomplished on the day. And then, you know, you just the way they practice, the physical nature there that we, we just discussed, it's not made easy either. You know, again, you, you, we've had these conversations lately where it's like script for success. And I think this is a little bit where they've been talking about Ken Dorsey, the psycho, a little too. Because, uh, yeah, I had some coaches tell me, like, McDermott will change up situations on the fly and make Dorsey, you know, Dorsey apparently will be, you know, what's the situation? What's going on? I thought we were doing this. And then, you know, it changes. So he's keeping everybody on edge. And I just thought with talking to Josh Allen, um, they're a team on a mission. And I think that's why you've seen them play a lot of their defensive players the first two games. And I think that's also the same reason with Kansas City. They realize, like, wait, to your point, Mike, it's the AFC. There's a lot of good players and good quarterbacks, and we got to hit the ground running week one. And I think there's that. And then a, a focus on the physicality of the football team. We talked about Aaron Cromer, the offensive line coach. I think there is going to be a little more emphasis on, you know, running the ball and being a physical unit up front and not always relying on Josh Allen. And uh, – you know, I, their defensive line, damn, their defensive line is different than it's been in years past. I think when you add in, you know, Daquan Jones and Jordan Phillips and some of the young guys who are now going to, you know, Carlos Boogie Basham, who they drafted last year to Wake Forest, he's a great-looking defense. And, and then the Von Miller aspect, who looked phenomenal in practice. Uh, 
I, I just got the sense this is a team on a mission, Mike. You know, kind of what we've been seeing on TV, but what I saw in person kind of verified that. And look, the schedule makes it a little bit easier for them to avoid any sense of satisfaction. That's right. Or relaxation. Right. Because right out of the gates, they go to L.A. the night they're hanging the banner. Then they're on the front end of that Monday night doubleheader hosting the Titans. The Titans, who were the one seed in the AFC last year. Then it's a trip to Miami, which is a very improved team. Then to Baltimore, thanks for nothing. Seriously. Then the Steelers, who beat them last year in Buffalo week one. Then the Chiefs. You know, week seven is kind of an early time for a bye. I think they'll be ready. perfect for them. Right. But, well, I know, but you look at that. Hey, they, they come out of that five and one, four and two even. They're in pretty good shape. No for doubt. The, for the rest of the way, because they don't have the Jets until after the bye, and they have them twice. They have the Bears. They have the Lions. They've got some games on there that you look at as – as far easier than any of the the ones they see in the first six. But, wow, and then coming out of the bye, they got the Packers at home and Aaron Rodgers on week eight Sunday night. It's just a – it's a challenge. And, yeah. and I think it's exactly what I would want if I was Sean McDermott. It makes it easier to get the focus of your players. I, I would walk around with a sign. I'd put them everywhere those first six games just so everyone realizes that yeah, what they're going you're, into you're going to, you're going to get, and you're going to get the best. That's the other thing too. Yeah. You're going to get the very best from those teams because they know you are the measuring stick now in the AFC, even though the Bengals won the conference, even though the Rams won the Super Bowl, even though the chiefs are still the chiefs and they've beaten the bills in the playoffs each of the last two years, the bills are the measuring stick and everyone's going to be coming at them aggressively. Those are six great games to start the season. Great games, they are. And, and you know, you're right. It is weird because you usually measure off of the team that went to the Super Bowl, but I, I do get the sense that, you know, most people in football look at the Chiefs and Bills as still the measuring stick of the AFC. And, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about a little bit, you know, and I don't want to give too much away, Talked about Patrick Mahomes. He brought up Aaron Rodgers a few times and things that he likes about their game and maybe has, you know, stole from them. Uh, so, you know, I think those will be just important games to Josh Allen, too. You know, he's very aware. You know, and, and I asked him about that, and I don't want to give everything away, but I was like, you know, do you realize you're in the middle of, like, Manning, Brady, Elway, Marino, right? You're, you're in that. That's the, it's you and Mahomes. That's a thing right now. And, you know, he's... He's, he seems to embrace it. He's not, like, clueless to what's going on. He understands that there's work to be done, and Mahomes has gotten the best of him so far. Um, but he, he is aware, and I think he has a good sense of history and a good sense of reality where he is right now that I, I find cool. And, you know, that's what the good ones have. They, they know what's going on. Here's what I'm curious about. Yeah. I'm curious about whether – you mentioned to him, or he brought up at all, that goofy golf thing where Tom Brady kept clowning him for being fat, as if he's even fat. Did he mention that at all? That was so weird to me. Well, you know me, okay? So I did bring it up. You know, I mean, come on. I'm, I'm Chris Sims, and I had to bring that up. And I want to bring it because I, I kind of I wrote it down, so I want to make sure that I, I get it right here. But – yeah, so I made a little fun. I was like, oh, you know, what was that experience like, right? What was the match being there? And he did say there was like a moment where he was like, 
this is surreal. He said he said it to Mahomes, like, this is crazy that we're doing this with, you know, Brady and Rodgers. And, and he said Mahomes looked at him and was like, yeah, I know, isn't it? So they obviously were like, you know, kind of like kids in a candy store with two legends and, and Brady and Rodgers. But then I went, oh, you know, Brady was, you know, giving you the chunky talk, a little Josh Allen-y. And he was like, well, he ain't faster than me. And then he wrote, he ain't stronger than me. And then he wrote, and then he said, he can't whoop me. <laughs> so he was, he was very funny about it, uh, you know, respectful, funny about it. And, uh, you know, he, I think he had a good time all, all together being out there and, and enjoying that experience. I'm also surprised you didn't add, and I didn't disappear for 11 days during training camp either. But that, <laughs> that would have been a low blow. That would have been almost as low as making fat jokes about Josh Allen, almost, <laughs> if Josh Allen had reduced to that level. All right, you mentioned that the Bills weren't the AFC champions, as we all know, but the AFC champions were the Bengals. They, they are feasting on a little hair of the dog this week. I don't know that I would have signed up for this if I was the Bengals. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the best way to put 2021 behind you. You go back to L.A. to have joint practices in a preseason game with the Rams, right, right. ultimately in the building where you lost the Super Bowl. Have you lost your minds, Cincinnati Bengals? I, I can't believe it. The good news, though, is Joe Burrow is back from his appendectomy and no limitations in the joint practices with the L.A. Rams. You know, there were issues and questions about you're digging inside the guy's stomach and he's, you know, quarterbacks do a lot of this. And it's yeah. not like I, we got emails. Oh, I had an appendectomy and I was back to normal in three days. Well, normal for you is an NFL quarterback. Yeah, so yeah, sit down right. and shut up. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's slightly different. A little different. But the good, news is, the good news is he's back and he's ready to go as they get ready for a week one challenge against the Steelers. Yeah, it is. And, you know, again, I think more or less with these, it is weird to see like, wait, two Super Bowl teams that played each other are now going to be scrimmaged against each other that's like still fresh in your mind and personal but I think more or less like you know as we've discussed before it's about the relationship with the head coaches McVeigh, Zach Taylor work together you know so there's there there's trust there as far as how the practice is going to be run and they can game plan it and do things the right way there and you know they're they're not on each other's schedule this year right I'm just calling that off the top of my head to where okay we don't have to worry about playing you this year unless we get to the Super Bowl and it's a good it's a good test for both but it's good to see Joe Burrow out there you know I know again you know in our perfect world I mean in, in the perfect world of fandom in the AFC I mean what, what do we want to see in in the final four and divisional round I mean Mahomes Allen Burrow Herbert is that like you know is that is that the four that we'd love to see in there and go they're like okay clash of the titans which one of these freaky quarterbacks is going to get it done so uh it's good to see burrow back out there and and uh, hopefully he can you know regain his form here in a hurry dear listener please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by fandango breathe in smell the fresh popcorn now exhale ah <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. We don't see Rams on the schedule. They do play the Buccaneers, though. That's right. The rest of right. the NFC South, but uh, that... That, that will be a, a great matchup when we get to Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. But Burrow, obviously one of the best right now in the NFL. Here he is from yesterday talking about adjusting to a new offensive line and what this version of the Bengals offense does best. 
I would say just communication, getting the building that rapport and that language up front in in the heat of battle, understanding you know everyone else's language and communication. That's the biggest part. What do you think you do best as an offense? Well, I think you know we we run the ball really well. We got to get better in play action, and then our drop back passes. You know, I think what we do best with our guys on the outside. There's a lot of talk about like the Shanahan offense or the McVay offense. What do you think the biggest characteristic of the Zach Taylor offense could be? Throw to our horses on the outside really far down the field. <laughs> and that's what they do. It's not funny. It's what they do. I know. When you have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and company, you you can do that. And And this is year two. I mean, last year it was smack everyone in the face with what the Bengals can do. And right. now we expect to be entertained by that offense right out of the gates and to see what they'll do. And having the Steelers come to town and – with Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores, you know that they will have something cooked up. No doubt. They will have spent plenty of time throughout the offseason once they saw what the schedule is. They know they go to Cincinnati right out of the gates, and they will be probing for weaknesses and flaws. They'll be testing that new offensive line. They'll be testing, and they'll get physical. You know, the Steelers' answer, and, and th- this isn't some secret, their answer for dealing with any phenomenon in the NFL when there's a great new thing, a great new player. I remember what they did to RG3. Right, it hit them. Just go get, <laughs> you get really physical right. with them, and that's what Mike Tomlin and company are going to do. No question. I mean, you, you know, you, you talked about, you know, just the schedule for the Bills, and you're right, that's a, it's a, it's a wake-up call for Cincinnati to know you, you got to be ready week one. Not only the mental gymnastics that you referred to, Tomlin, Brian Flores, the defense in general, creative, Blitzberg does a lot of different stuff. But, yeah, they're they're famous for being physical. You know, we've discussed this in the past where I've gone around to training camps and teams that were going to play the Steelers early in the year, and the, the coaches all ask about, oh, you were in Pittsburgh? You were in Pittsburgh? Were they hitting? Were they tackling? How did they look? You know, are they, like, really re- – you know, so they, they have a, a stigma around them. And, you know, I do think your, your point with Brian Flores – you know, even brings it to another level. Just watching preseason football so far, him yelling on the sideline like a psycho, like I'd have a hard time thinking those linebackers aren't going to be, you know, a hair more physical than in years past. So we'll see what it, where it goes. But I think the encouraging thing for the Bengals and Joe Burrow is they go to the Super Bowl last year and really – Mike, I mean, I don't know. You correct me. I mean, the first six, eight, ten weeks, I think they were still kind of getting their feet underneath them. Joe Burrow was still getting healthy, you know. So I think they're still like on an upward path of like, hey, wait, wait, we're the Super Bowl. That's not like a plateau where we're going to fall off here. It's it's a jump off point. And then you add in the offensive line and the fact that he might be protected more, and now they might have a running game. And now you have to go, whoa. You know, we got to get a safety down there. And then, like, to what you said, it's it's a reality. they got guys that are freaks on the outside. And that's where they can be dangerous. And, um, you know, I think we, we all want to see them be dangerous because we like Joe Burrow and Jamar T- Chase, and that's big play Bengals-style football. Yeah, Joe Mixon still has the ability to take over a game if they need him to. They just didn't need him to do it very often last year because they could keep that passing game going pretty much against anyone and everyone and of course if there's one demon to exercise for the Bengals this year it is that lingering frustration from Mixon as to why he wasn't on the field in the final drive of the Super Bowl it remains to be seen if that hovers over the team like Super Bowl 49 and other 
kind of crushing defeats where there's one little point you can go back to and say, if we had done this differently, would we have gotten a different outcome? Joe Mixon, I think, is still trying to process that. And uh, nothing like getting back to it and starting the path back toward possible redemption in a Super Bowl to make you forget about it. Good news for the Bengals. They've gotten back Jesse Bates. He didn't sign a long-term deal before the July 15 deadline for franchise tag players to do so. There was reporting that he wasn't going to play under the franchise tag, and that's fine. That happens all the time. Then you realize, I'm not going to let $12.9 million go away and never come back. Right. I'm not going to sit out the year. I'm not right. going to pull a Le'Veon Bell. I gain nothing from that. Here's Jesse Bates talking about why he hasn't been able to get a long-term deal, and we'll talk a little bit about what comes next for him as this season unfolds. Have a listen. I don't know. I, I don't think that's my question to answer. Um, I think uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for me to um, continue to present what I'm about, who I am, um, to this franchise and other teams as well. So, um, like I said, I'm looking at this as an opportunity to prove that I'm one of the best safeties in this league, and um, I'm not sure why I'm not paid yet. But uh, this is, like I said, this is a great opportunity for me to create some wealth for my family. Um, you know, it's not a bad number at all. This franchise tag number isn't bad, uh, so I'm not going to be naive to that. Um, so, like I said, I'm blessed. Um, I'm happy to be here. You just got to wait a year to get paid, and the reality is it's not going to happen in Cincinnati. They've already drafted his replacement. The franchise tag for 2023 would be $15.48 million. The Bengals don't do it. The Bengals never apply a tag a second time. At most, they'll let the guy play under the tag for a year, and then he's gone. And that's what he's going to be. He's going to be gone. Every week this year, he is auditioning for his next stop, for his payday. And we said this the other day. At least he wasn't a first-round pick. So they only tied him up five years, yeah, and then right. he hits the market, and he will be a highly compensated, unrestricted free agent next year because the Bengals already know they can't pay everyone. The moment they took Dax Hill is the moment they acknowledge to the world, we can't pay Jesse Bates. We got to save our money for Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, it's the balancing act of the NFL. You know, they spent money on the offensive line and some resources there this year to make sure that's better so they could protect Joe Burrow and, and give some holes to Joe Mixon. You're right. They got things coming down the pipe here that you go, whoa, they're going to have to dish out some major money. And, you know, I think all in all, I, I think we discussed this earlier this week a little bit just with, with him. Yeah, it does him no good. You're right to sit out. No, he said it right. He's got to present himself, you know, best to the Bengals. Maybe if that happens, doubtful, but to the rest of the NFL to show like, hey, you know, last year he was viewed as a little bit of a down year, you know, you know, for his standards. He was kind of in that pantheon of best safeties in football. He came on in the playoffs, and I think he's a phenomenal football player. He's very versatile. I just think speaking to this year and this year's Bengals team with him there, it it, it does. I I mean, it, they're they're going to be dangerous in the secondary. We know their pass rush is pretty good. And then when you look at their schedule, and you go, oh wait, there's some teams like the Cowboys. They're going to have to play right. And then you know, Saints, and they got the Chiefs on the schedule. The Bucks at some point. The Bills. You know, the versatility of having him, Von Bill, Von Bell, Daxon Hill, Mike Hilton, Shadobia Wuze, 
Eli Apple to match up when, hey, it's third and 12, and now we're going to play dime defense, right? And we're going to have, you know, six DBs on the field. Uh, they're they're going to be able to match up about against any group in football. And I think that's the big thing I look at to go, wait, that's great Jesse Bates is back. Because when they do have to play that high-octane offense, maybe the Chargers in the playoffs or somebody like that, they're not going to have a hard time figuring out who covers who or, oh, no, we're undermanned in the secondary. And, and of course, it gives them depth, too, if there's you know the injury or two that happens during the season. I remember when we both kind of first discovered him watching back games a few years ago. Right. Like Kamikaze. Watch the Bengals defense, and this guy comes flying out of right, nowhere. Right. Every other play. Yeah. Like who? Who's number? Who's number thirty? Wait a minute. This guy's pretty good, and teams are going to see that on film. They experience it in person. There's going to be a lot of tampering going on. There's going to be. There's going to be a lot of winking and nodding. Yeah. Well, he's going one on of those, those post game right. handshakes. Right. I think it already started yesterday with Sean McVay. <laughs> they may, maybe that's why he came back this week. Get a, get a little chance to show the Rams what I can do. The F them picks. Go out and spend money on veteran players. L.A. Rams. Good timing by Jesse Bates to be there in time for practices with Sean McVay and company. Yeah, but you're right. That, that's, these are the type of guys where it, it does seem like the writing's on the wall, and this is his last year there, You know, barring maybe some crazy injury to somebody. And... That, that, this is the guy that you're right. There's going to be teams that uh, the head coach, you know, he shakes Zach Taylor's hand and he's, they're going to, oh, wait, let me go find number 30 and just, hey, you're a hell of a guy. Hey, you know, best of luck. And, you know, maybe we'll talk to you after the year's over. You know, that Belichick was always a king at doing that. There's a lot of coaches that, you know, have an agenda when the game's over of maybe some guys they want to see or before the game, even in pregame warmups, just to let them know, Man, I think you're a good player. Wink, wink, like you're talking about, you know, and good luck today. And that's certainly something that goes on in the NFL. It's part of the game, and hey, it's cool with me. It's, it's all good. Another reason for Jesse Bates to aspire to get to the Pro Bowl as well, if they still have one this year. Great opportunity to yeah. sidle up to coaches right. and players and just make sure everybody knows. Maximize the market. Got to maximize the market. That's the thing. We know it now. And it would be so out of character for the Bengals to sign him to a long-term deal after the season. They still don't guarantee money beyond the first year. That's ultimately why they weren't able to work out a contract with him because I already have guaranteed money for the first year under the franchise tag. Why am I going to sign a long-term deal that doesn't give me any guarantees beyond this year? I have my guarantees this year either way. I'll stick with the option that puts me on the market. So we all know, all teams know, this guy's available Pay attention to him. Get your ducks in a row. Build your budget accordingly, and you can make a play for Jesse Bates when March rolls around. The Cowboys, who will be hosting the Bengals week two of the 2022 regular season after they face the Buccaneers. Tyron Smith, he went down yesterday with an apparent knee injury, and there was some reporting. You know, what is it going to be? Is he okay? He walked out of the building under his own power. The late word from ESPN is Tyron Smith could miss multiple months with a torn left hamstring. Look, this is hey, th- this is where we see the reality of football season, and not, we're not even into the regular season yet. That's what starts chipping away at these teams. We're on paper; everybody's feeling good. We're zero and zero, glasses half full. Here we go. Right. Yeah, here we go. Guys get injured, and it potentially changes 
everything. Their longtime cornerstone left tackle now gone, possibly for multiple months, and the Cowboys have to adjust on the fly, Chris. Yeah, they do. It's a big blow. I mean, again, it's a team that's got a lot of changing pieces here the last few years. I mean, this last year in the offseason. You know, Michael Gallup, of course, yes, he's not going to be, like, full, ready, 100% ready to go. No Amari Cooper, right? Cedric Wilson, gone. So, it, it, and then, you know, the, the offensive line that was so great three, four, five years ago when we just went, oh, my gosh, when they go on the field, just forget it. They're going to dominate you. They don't have that stigma anymore. You know, we discussed this a lot during the year last year. I thought their offensive line was slightly overrated. I did. You know, and, and Tyrone Smith is a guy that, hey, it's getting to that part of the career where, you know, things like this start to happen. I mean, what was it? Was it two years ago where he missed the majority of the year because of the back injury? Or maybe it was three. But, you know, it's it's it seems like it's always a little bit of managing him and his health here the last few years. And can he get it going? So this is a huge blow to their football team, especially in the, you know, you look at it and you go, well, I think they got to rely on Dak. Dak Prescott and their throwing ability, at least in my opinion, to start the year. It seems like that's what they were last year, and I don't know. i got to see it to believe it if the run game was going to be different or, or like it was what we talked about three or four years ago. So a um, little scary from that standpoint, definitely. And to not have him, you know, not that he's the best tackle in football, but, you know, he's somewhere six between ten, you know, when he's healthy and, and hitting on all cylinders there. So that is a big blow to this Cowboy football team. And now it's Tulsa offensive lineman Tyler Smith, not Tyron Smith. Tyler Smith yeah. potentially steps in at at left tackle. They have an ongoing competition at left guard right, with between McGovern. Tyler Smith and Connor McGovern. Right. So McGovern guard, Tyler Smith kicks out to left tackle, potentially. There's not a whole lot you can do at this point. I was on radio in Pittsburgh yesterday, and they're fretting about the offensive line, and they asked me, well, are there guys out there that they can get? No, <laughs> no. Any team that has good offensive line, yeah, they keep them, keeps them, right? They hoard them, right? They're not going to let them get away. They're not going to cut them, maybe trade them. But even then you'd have to have eight, nine, 10 guys that are pretty good. You know, you need them because guys are going to get injured through the course of the season. So you just have to make chicken salad. You got to coach them up. You got to get them ready to go. Right. And you hope you come up with a combination of five that will stay together and healthy and get better as the season unfolds because there's there's usually a pretty clear connection between the teams that are able to have a consistent, healthy, effective offensive line and who's on the fringes of getting to the Super Bowl. And and uh they're gonna have to they're gonna have to hope that Tyler Smith is ready to go. He's gonna be going at left guard or left tackle, but he's gonna get plugged in right away. And if he can pass the test Jerry Jones will look like a genius for going offensive line and specifically for going for Tyler Smith with the 24th pick in this year's draft. Well, like, you know, first off, they got the Bucks in week one. So this is a horrible injury, right? The Bucks. I mean, the Bucks who have more big, bad mofos on the defensive line than just about anybody in the game. So, And then, oh, hey, you got the Bengals who uh, pressured the quarterback just about as good as anybody in football in the last year. And then, you know, you get into week four of the Commanders. We know they got a pretty good front four. The Rams, yeah, welcome to Aaron Donaldville. The Eagles, whoa. And, you know, another team might be in the conversation for one of the better D-lines in the game. So that's where it hurts the Cowboys. And, Mike, Tyler Smith, I loved this kid coming out of Tulsa. Loved him in person at the Combine. He is a killer, but very raw. I mean, very raw. And I don't know 
I'm not sold that he can definitely be the guy that can kick out to left tackle. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those where I, I say I got to see it to believe it. I got to think maybe there might be somebody else on the roster that you know they might want to go with there in this situation. And, but the problem is, you know, there's 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 another rookie that they drafted out of North Dakota State who maybe has a chance to be that guy, and then everybody else is kind of you know unproven commodities really. And that's where it's yeah, this is going to be interesting. It is, you know. Now you, you you wonder, you go, man. Well, I wonder how they feel about letting Lyle Collins out the door now, and and all of that. But uh, this is going to be something to watch for, in my opinion, especially week one, with you know, again, a a, a Bucks D line that's eight nine deep and can send fresh bodies at you all game long. Matt, well, let's go. Well, let's go. Right, I, I did back up. Yeah, officially to Tyron Smith at left tackle. Tyler Smith isn't even in the depth chart there, but that's what causes you to go back and you look at your moving parts that's and right. you see what you can do and yeah. who you can plug in there and who can maybe pull it off and you don't have a whole lot of time to do it. It's better that it happened before the season than right at the cusp of the season or in week one early in the game and then you have to figure it out on the fly. At least they have a couple of weeks to come up with a strategy for putting someone at left tackle in lieu of Tyron Smith, who, again, reportedly could miss multiple months with a torn left hamstring suffered in practice yesterday. Let's go ahead and take a break. Plenty more PFT Live to come, including some possible additional. Not that the Chiefs needed at this point. Bulletin board material for Kansas City. Sammy Watkins now with the Packers talking about, again, quarterback comparisons between Green Bay and Kansas City. We'll discuss that next on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. 